thank you for uh, today, Father, for the fellowship and for what you have given Zach the opportunity, Lord, to encourage us this morning. And we just pray that, Lord, that Holy Spirit, you lead him and you guide him and speak to our hearts as we get ready to receive what you have for us. In my name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 These are all fresh? Yeah. They're brand new, man. Awesome. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> all right, so we're going to continue our study on uh, faith trumps giftings. Um, and uh, this is part two. And the subtitle is going to be The Process of Promotion. So we've got um, a few things we talked about last time uh, was authority comes from a, a higher authority. Authority always comes from a higher authority. So kind of recap a little bit. We talked about a lot of things. I noticed that um, when I was looking back at the teaching, I probably preached for about 25 minutes on stuff that wasn't even in my notes. So um, there's a lot of stuff that came out of it. You know, one thing we, we mentioned was don't ever come into the middle of the process of change. And uh, once you're already um, taken apart, you know, like like we were talking, we gave an illustration about how Gilbert tore apart the sander, right? And you know, you may not want to take certain things out of you. You might not want to, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, it's 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 vulnerable. You start taking all the parts out of the piece, and next thing you know, uh, it's just it looks like a big mess. But the truth is, it's not over. Don't don't bail on us now when you're right in the middle of surgery. Don't get off the table when your heart's out for a heart transplant. You know what I mean? Don't walk in the middle of the uh, construction job and, and say, what are you doing when you don't really know the end product? You see what I'm saying? So there's a painful and, a, a painful and uncomfortable time when it comes to actually getting healed. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, you have to let God finish the job. Whatever he's doing in your heart, you've got to let him finish. Um, if, we leave, if, you, if, you, if you jump shift too early, then you'll leave, out, you'll leave more vulnerable and more exposed like a nerve and you'll most likely have um, more opportunity to fail. You see what I'm saying? So you never want to bail right in the middle of your, of your surgery. Does that make sense? Don't get off the table. All right? Um, <clears throat> that was something we mentioned. It was kind of Holy Spirit driven. But I believe that's also part of the process of promotion, too. As you're growing, there's growing pains. Okay? And those growing pains are important. And oftentimes... We start feeling them, and we're like, "I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with this. I don't want it. I don't want um, the magnifying glass on me. I don't want everybody taking me apart." You know what I mean? How many times have you been? You know, I know it happens here all the time. You know, because this place is all about growth. This place is all about getting change. Every person here goes through pain. Doesn't matter whether you're in the program or whether you're a house leader or whether you're the program's development director. Doesn't matter. Everybody deals with this growing pains right here because there's things that are being drawn out. There's things that are being pulled out, and we don't like it. We don't like the, the, light, the light to be on us. Go over here to John chapter um, 1, I believe. This hit me hard the other day when I was reading the scripture. During my own quiet time, I was like, wow. I mean, that just broke me, you know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. <clears throat> but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people loved darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So when we want when we love our darkness, when we when we okay, here's the problem. Oftentimes we have um we we, we talk about identity a lot here. We have identity crises, okay? Oftentimes we have a weakness. And we, um, we start to coddle our weakness. We pet our weakness. We say, we, we, does that make sense? It becomes a personal pet. Well, I'm just not very good at public speaking. So we pet this thing. And we have an identity crisis. We begin to identify with the weakness rather than identifying with what God can do through us. Okay? 
Humility doesn't say, oh, I have a weakness. No, humility is actually saying, yes, I know that I'm weak, but in Christ I'm strong. That makes sense? That's humility. Humility is not complete in the statement, I am weak. That is not meekness. Meekness is submission. Okay? Humility is submission. It doesn't end with, I'm weak. It ends with, what does God say about me? Okay? And I'm going to submit to him. And if he says, do this, it doesn't matter whether I feel comfortable, whether I feel adequate, whether I feel strong enough, whether I feel... It doesn't matter. If he told me to do it, I'm going to do it. Period. End of story. i got to follow. i got to obey. Humility has everything to do with obedience and submission. Humility is submission. The best way for me to describe that word humility is submission. That's what it is. It's saying, yes, sir. It's not, <clears throat> it's not being weak. It's being empowered. When you submit to God, guess what? He gives you responsibility. But people are like, wait a minute, I don't want to deal with my weakness. So when God says, when God, we, we, we've mistaken some things. We, we look at this and we say, oh, God's holding me accountable. I don't like being held accountable. I don't like it whenever my deeds are being exposed. That's what it's saying right here. We love the darkness. You see, the light came and they didn't like the light. They liked the dark because they loved because the, their, their deeds were evil. So what happens is we don't like accountability. We don't like accountability because it brings out our weakness. It exposes our failures. And nobody likes to feel like a failure. So what happens is we start having a temptation to go down into condemnation and begin identifying with the failures and saying, I am now a failure. Instead of saying, I failed, we say, I'm a failure, which is the opposite. That's not what we need to do. We have to acknowledge the failures if we want to walk in humility so we can submit to the responsibility that God has for us. Let's say this again. We have to acknowledge the weakness. We have to acknowledge the failures so we can submit to the responsibility that God has for us. God doesn't point out our flaws just so that we can feel like a failure. God points out our flaws so that we can get them fixed. God brings it out so that we can overcome. The idea of being humble is overcome, not stay down. The whole idea of being humble and, hum and having humility, and this is the process of promotion. I am really talking about this. It's not in my notes. This is completely Holy Spirit driven right now. But I think it's from the Lord because we have to understand that the Bible talks about he who overcomes will be set as a pillar in, in the throne room of God. You know, it's all about overcoming. God did not destine us to just stay down. He always destined us to overcome. But oftentimes we look at weakness and we say, I just can't do it. Just back, right back in the garden. Right back in the garden whenever, whenever he talks about, well, I ran in here because I, I was afraid, because I was naked. So when he said I was naked, he was hiding behind his weakness. Well, I just can't. I just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about this. I'm just weak. So again, hiding behind weakness. And so God said, who told you? Who told you that? Who told you that? In other words, something about what you believe right now is a lie. Something is not setting you free, Adam. I ran ahead. I was afraid because I was naked, right? He was hiding behind his weakness. And God's like, look, there's something wrong with your thought process here. Because it's bringing you into bondage. And only lies bring you into bondage. So Adam believed a lie about himself when, concerning that weakness. I ran ahead. I was afraid because I was... Naked. Who told you you were naked? Let's get down to the bottom of it, Adam. Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? Stop identifying with your nakedness and tell me, did you sin? Quit identifying with your weakness and tell me, did you mess up? Did you do wrong? I'm not interested in your being a failure. I'm interested in, did you fail? Because it's not. if you start saying, oh, I'm naked, if you say, well, I'm just naked, well, then there's no hope for you. But if you say, I sinned, well, we can fix that. That's behavior. Identity is the problem. Behavior is easy, you see? I can fix behavior. But identity, that's a rebirth process, you see? But it's all about faith. So when he didn't believe that he was the child of God anymore, when he started believing, oh, I'm naked. I'm in that weakness. This is who I am. I ran here. I was afraid because I was naked. He, he no longer is in that communion with God anymore. Listen, sin only is birthed out of unbelief. He believed a lie. Did God really say? He believed a lie. He followed the liar. So that led him into an identity 
of weakness. An identity of, does that make sense? All right? And then in our weakness, God becomes strong. He says, I'm going to win you back. Does this make sense? Overcome. The whole point of us bringing up the weakness is to really find out where we drop the ball. It's not about pinning you and, what I was reading a book, pigeonholing you. Hey, you keep showing up late every day and you are not um, organized, you're scatterbrained. So am I pigeonholing you into this identity where now I know that you're, under, you're, under, you're not a dependable person? Or am I pointing out certain behaviors we need to change so that you can humble yourself and take on responsibility and overcome? You see? And it really comes down to who's speaking to you and, and what their motives are behind it. Because if a person comes around, they do pigeonhole. Sometimes people do come and pigeonhole you. Well, you're never going to amount to anything. You're horrible. Why? You see what I'm saying? But their intention isn't to build you up. Their intention is to tear you down and leave you down. And they've already uh, discredited you. They've already told you you're not going to amount to anything. And that's it. You know, They've already pretty much written you off. Make sense? we got to find the weakness. we got to find where we drop the ball, not so that we can identify with the failure, but so that we can say, I know I'm better than that. That's not who God told me to be. That's not what I'm supposed to be. And then I can rise above that. Make sense? This is critical. This is critical for leadership. This is critical for growing in every area of our life. So... Again, it comes down to authority comes from authority, a higher authority, right? So whenever we can talk about a behavior in a mature way and not get our feelings hurt, we can now take on more responsibility. And oftentimes people are not ready for that. You know, they're still bent out of shape about how they failed. So like, well, I didn't tell you about your failure so we can stay down on your failure. I told you about your failure so we can fix it and move on, you know? It's like having a, a tree fall down in the middle of the road. Oh, no. Now we just, our whole life falls apart. No, just chop the tree out, move it away, and let's move on. You know? It's not about, um, that makes sense. But people, why, why do people take such offense to, their, to being, their weakness being pointed out? It's because they start to really identify with it. And when you start pointing out their, their failure, you're picking on them. But if people realize that's not who they were, they wouldn't get offended. Because I know you're not talking about them. It's not who I am. You're just talking about a behavior. You're not talking about a person, about my personality. You're not talking about uh, you're not talking about my my personhood. You're just talking about something I behaved wrong on. See? But when people okay, for instance, one time I went to go pray for a deaf person. Okay? And when we go pray for the deaf person, the person says, No, we're proud to be deaf. We're okay. Okay, so they identify with deafness. They they never even got a chance to be healed of their deafness. It doesn't make any sense, you know. But we do that a lot of times with our weakness. A lot of people they'll they'll look at a defect in a person's life and say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with them." You're lying to yourself. You're not at a hundred percent. Everybody has defects. We should stop identifying with them. You see, when we start identifying with Christ, He overcomes all of our defects. You see, make sense. <clears throat> but we coddle, we pet. We cultivate and culture our defects. We begin to identify with them. So when someone starts picking on it, we feel like they're picking on us. You see? That's, that's when it becomes personal. When we have already identified with it. So if I start correcting somebody on something, and they get really offended, I know that they just pretty much identify with that. If I go into my, okay, for instance, if I go in, let's say, into my house, and I say, the house is a wreck, da-da-da, and my wife gets offended, well, then the truth is she's identifying with being a failure. Oh, I must be a horrible, you see? If she gets bent out of shape, that should tell me where my wife is at to say, oh, my wife's already believed that she is defeated. I, I, if I come in here right now and I'm talking about it, and she immediately gets defensive about it, why would you be defensive about this defect? You see? Why would you be defensive about something you're falling short in? Only if you didn't believe you could ever overcome it. 
Only if you believed that it was who you are. That it was so ingrained inside of you that you couldn't fix it. Why? Now you're attacking me personally. You're telling me there's something wrong with me. No, I'm not. <laughs> you see? And so where you have to learn and understand, wow, let's 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 not identify with that defect. Let's you're that's not who you are. Come on. I'm only bringing up an issue so we can work together on it, you see? So when people, does that make sense? I think I beat this down now. All right, we're good. Growing pains, they're important. They're important to overcome. Oh man, I'm right here on the wall. Got the clean wall. All right, I'm gonna leave that up there. Um, So we talked about, we're talking about basically the process of promotion, right? The, everything I just told you is important for the process of promotion. If you want to overcome, promotion is leveling up, right? Or overcoming a current status. Or graduating. If you ever want to graduate, you got to take tests. There, there, you have to go through trials. This is part of it, okay? Um, so, last time we talked about um, the disciples, I think it was in Luke chapter 9. They were given authority, right? To do miracles and things like that. <clears throat> And later on in the same chapter, chapter 9, verse, uh, so this is 1 through 6, and then in verse 49, uh, chapter 9, verse 49, it says there's some people that were casting out demons and doing miracles and things like that, but they weren't a part of this original group. So how did they operate? They, there's something that they tapped into, and I believe it has everything to do with faith. Okay? They tapped into something. They weren't part of the group. They weren't part of their following. They weren't one of the disciples. They weren't one of the apostles. They, Jesus did not lay hands on them. They did not receive authority from him. However, they were casting out demons and performing miracles in the name of Jesus. They weren't even part of the same following. You see what I'm saying? And so many people nowadays in the churches, they'll say, well, all the miracles died with the apostles, you know, and they... You know, they say only some people can operate in this, but those guys weren't even there to receive what these guys nowadays say you have to have, you have to have this um, giving of authority, okay? But we know this, a demon can only be cast out if you have authority over it, right? I mean, that makes sense, all right? We know this, it, it, even, the, even the, the demons obey us, they says, it says in the book of Luke, even the demons obey us you know, are subject to your name. So there's an authority that does come. So how did these guys, so to me, I understand this. Luke chapter 1, uh, 9 verse 1, they operated in authority, and verse 49, they also operated in authority. One was literally given authority, and one wasn't there to receive that. They, they were operating in a gift they shouldn't have been operating in, okay? The question is how. How did they get to that point? If they can do it, and they weren't part of the selected elect group, then that tells me that, that there's a principle we must learn, maybe even that Jesus maybe by chance talked on. <laughs> and maybe the scriptures actually teach us this principle, but maybe it's so powerful that it's shrouded in, in mystery, and people are constantly gypped on it all the time. That's my hypothesis. That's my conclusion on this thing, okay? There's, there's a way to get this, this process of promotion. We're going to talk about that pretty much today. Um, all right. Giftings come with submission. Giftings come with submission. We briefly talked about it, humility, knowledge, and faith. These are the three things we're going to really talk about today. Humility, knowledge, and faith. These are the three avenues. This is the three ways that people get grace in their life. <clears throat> and uh, I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit gives us even more than what I have on my page because I feel like this is a really 
deep subject. I feel like it's much bigger than I've really discovered. I think I've got some cool revelation on it, but uh, there's more. I know there's more to it. I think these are some key, serious keys. Um, <clears throat> God is a God who is em who empowers. God wants to empower us. Uh, any good leader, any good um, king, any good general, they it's all about empowering. You want to empower those that follow you. God is not holding anything back from us. He wants to empower us. There's only three things that hold you back from being empowered, and that's these three things. Your level of humility, what you know, and your faith. The Bible says, my people die for lack of knowledge. You can't operate in certain promises if you just don't know them. Okay? For instance, uh, how can you be saved if you don't know? Right? The scripture says, for grace, by grace you've been saved through faith. If you don't have faith, you can't be saved. Make sense? And if you don't humble yourselves and pray, you will not receive healing, the scripture says. So these three things right here are important. If you don't know about it, the Bible says, I think it's in Romans, Romans chapter 10. How can they, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? How can they hear without a preacher? How can, how can they believe, actually? It says, how can they believe if they, if they have never heard? See, so knowledge is very important. You can't have faith in something you don't know. And you can't submit to something that you don't really believe in. Say that again. You can't have faith in something that you don't know, and you can't submit to something that you don't really believe in. Make sense? Those are all important for grace. <clears throat> Scripture says in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, I want to add this in here. It says, when they asked him, how could we... How come we couldn't cast a demon out of that boy? He says, because of your unbelief. He says, truly I say, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, from here to there, and it would, it would obey you, and nothing would be impossible for you. So I'm going to say that right here. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is a, Now, if, you're, if immediately in your brain you think, and did Jesus really say that? Well, that's the devil, because the devil does that all the time. Did God really say, this is Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. We, just, we talked about how every gift must be asked of. You can't expect to get a gift without asking for it. So it's very important. Uh, Matthew 21, 22. Believe that you received it. And it will be given to you. All right, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse one and verse five says, "Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts." Oftentimes, people look at the spiritual gifts list and they say. Oh, I can't do that. They've turned the spiritual gift list into a spiritual disqualification list. Rather than an, a knowledge opportunity so that you can have faith and submit to it. Make sense? Instead of getting the... First Corinthians chapter 13, or I think it's 13 or 14, one of the two, talks about um, tongues the whole time, right? The whole, the, I think it's first, chapter 14. The entire chapter. Corinthians? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it talks about this, the, the gift of tongues. Well, the people who don't operate in faith for it pretty much use that whole passage to bash tongues. How can one whole group use it to bash it and one whole group use it to learn about it? It's about hunger. That's what it is. People don't want it. People are scared of it. So they use that passage to completely destroy it and say, well, we shouldn't have it. When there's actually, at the end of the passage, I believe it says... Do not forbid the speaking of tongues. So there's got to be a point where we read the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and instead of using it as a disqualification passage, it should be an empowering passage that gives us knowledge about the subject so that we can have faith and humble ourselves and believe for it and submit to it. That make sense? But oftentimes we, we allow the doubt to come in, and then it, it derails our faith. Doubt derails the faith. 
doubt derails your faith. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Why pursue the higher gifts? This is right here in verse 5. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks uh, in prophecy, right? It says the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in, in tongues. And then back there in verse 1 it says, um, Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So he's not even telling us to just pursue some of the gifts. He's saying pursue the greatest gifts. Why would Paul teach us that it's okay to pursue greater gifts? Well, he's just saying prophecy. You don't have to pursue all the other gifts. That don't make no sense. Why pursue the highest gifts and say that all the other ones are off limits? See what I'm saying? So the point is this. I, I believe that the scripture is, is teaching us that... The, the list is not a disqualification list. The list is a faith-building list. Okay? And I even mentioned it last time. You know, Jesus did not teach about spiritual gifts and how some people can operate in gifts things and some could not operate in gifts things. He never explains to people. Jesus does not teach about, let's put it this way. Jesus does not expound upon spiritual gifts. He does not teach, hey, some of you can have this and some of you can have that. He doesn't do that. Good. Need a pen? Borrow mine. <clears throat> so, uh, what are we talking about here? I'm totally Who can have the gifts? Jesus never explained. Jesus never expounded on spiritual gifts. Okay? He only taught about faith. Matthew, chapter, <laughs> Matthew uh, Mark chapter 16. Um, it says, These signs will follow those who believe. So when Jesus was when Jesus did mention the signs and the giftings, he only made one criteria, and that was believe. You must believe. So he doesn't say, well, you know, this can only happen because some of you guys are gifted in healing, and some of you guys aren't gifted in healing. See, Jesus didn't talk about that. The only thing he talked about was absolutely abandoning everything you have and following Jesus and faith. Those are his two main topics. You know, pick up your cross. Follow me, love one another, and believe. You know, those are, if I had to pick the top three things that Jesus talked about, those are the three things. He didn't really talk, he didn't, again, he did not say, you know, hey, some of you can do this and some of you can't do that. I think what we've done is we've taken our experience and we've said, well, some people can only operate in this and some people can't operate in this. Make sense? Now, what is our experience? The experience is that not all prophesy. Not all speak in tongues. This is a fact. This is a reality. Is this the way it's supposed to be? I don't, I don't know if it is. I, I, according to what I've been seeing Jesus teach, I think that there's a lot more that's accessible to us than we give ourselves credit for, than we think we can have. Okay? We, again, focus. We, we, instead of capitalizing on what we can have in Christ, we capitalize mainly on what we do not have. You know? In fact, when people bring up that list, the spiritual gifts list, they say, well, that's not my gifting. That is the response. Instead of saying, oh, I can have that, people usually say, when they look at that list, well, that's not my gifting. Mm -hmm. Isn't that weird? How that's the natural inclination to read that passage? It's the devil. I believe it's the devil trying to create unbelief in us concerning spiritual giftings. And that's why the title of the entire series is Faith Trump's Giftings. So... <clears throat> Again, why encourage us to desire the greater gifts if we cannot have them all? Um, so, First Corinthians chapter twelve. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twenty-nine through thirty-one says, "Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret?" Uh, and obviously, the, the implied answer is no. Okay. But verse 31 says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Hmm. That's the same passage. Are all prophets, are all apostles, are all teachers, are all work miracles, do all have gifts of healings, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? The implied answer is no. The very next verse says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So even Paul is telling us we should be pursuing those gifts. If we don't have them, we should be pursuing them. Okay? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Isn't that different than what people teach all the time? Gifts come. So how? How? 
how, how, how? Paul, how, how does this happen? Oh. You know? Um, Jesus, how, how do we operate in these things? Well, we do know this. One thing, for sure. For, for sure those who believe. We know that that's the main criteria. Those who believe. Any, John chapter 14 says... Anyone who, anyone, first of all, you have to be in anyone. So then ask yourself, am I in anyone? <laughs> anyone who believes in me will do the same things I've been doing and greater. Jesus didn't say, again, Jesus, when he even said that, he didn't say, hey, we have some spiritual gifts. There's only 12 of them or nine of them or whatever. There's three different lists, right? So Jesus didn't even, again, even in this moment could have said, you know, you can operate in some of these spiritual gifts too, you know? He could have said that, but he doesn't even talk about it. He just says, you can do the same things I've been doing. Anyone who believes in me will do the same things I've been doing and greater because I'm going to my Father. Jesus was not even concerned about the giftings. He was more concerned about the fact that he wasn't going to be here anymore to do it. And he needed us to do it. Jesus, again, we come back down to this word, empower. Jesus was an empowerer. Passed the baton. And the race. Handing off responsibility. Handing off authority. Giving us more. God is not holding it back. He wants to give it. Alright. Gifts come by grace. We already read that in Romans chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Now that sounds weird. Grace given to us. You know what this implies? It implies that each person has a different measure of grace. It doesn't mean that you can't grow in the grace, because we already know, we're going to read some passages that make that clear. Grace can be multiplied to you. You can grow in grace. But Jesus even says, I think uh, <clears throat> one of the passages I'm about to read here. Uh, let's see if I if I have it written down. Oh, okay, that's actually our very next verse. Luke chapter two. Verse 52. Before I read this passage, I'm going to say this one thing. Grace is given to us. So it says that we have gifts differing according to the grace given to us. This is Romans chapter 12. Okay? Verse 6. So we know this. The gifts come by grace. I'm going to say that again. The gifts come by grace. And apparently... We all get different grace. Now that's backwards from what I was taught, you know, growing up. I didn't. I thought, man, everybody gets the same grace, unmerited favor, right? So what? Unmerited. That means you don't earn it, right? So obviously, there's a there's something that we don't understand about grace. We when we talk about saving grace, you get saved by faith. You know, everyone, you know, for by grace you've been saved through faith. So we we think of this thing as we get the grace and then we're saved, right? I don't think that just teaches us how grace comes more than it teaches us that we all have the same grace or something like that, right? But even when I was studying that, like the unmerited favor, it, it's about everyone's equal. Everyone's on the same playing field. But this is saying it's not. This right here shows you that no one, the people are not on the same playing field. And I think it all has to do with promotion. It has to do with the process of promotion, okay? What is grace? Grace is, grace is favor. If you look at the Greek word, for grace is kariti. Kariti or charis. Okay? Charis is the actual root word. Okay? Uh, actually, this is not really an S. This is more like a more like that. The word for grace is the same word for favor. Same word. Okay? Over in Luke chapter. 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So I'm going to say that again. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, Jesus grew in grace. He increased in wisdom and in stature and in grace with God. How does Jesus, the Son of the living God, perfect and holy, doesn't have to... Uh, uh, how does Jesus... Who doesn't have to meet a standard, he is already the standard. 
grow in grace. This is crazy. He grew in favor. In other words, at first he was not favored by God. But he was favored by God. But he wasn't he, at the same level. He grew. That was the, that's what I'm trying to point out. He increased in grace. So Jesus, if Jesus had to increase in grace, and he had all of the giftings, if you might want to say, everything wrapped up in one, right? What's to say that I'm not supposed to increase also in grace? And that makes a difference. When you're now studying Romans chapter 12, it says we have gifts different according to grace given to us. That means that it's not all on the same playing field. That doesn't mean that means that it's not the same gift. I give grace to you, and everyone else in the same room has the same grace. We all started at the same uh, line. You know, no one had a head start or nothing. I'm not even saying I'm not even saying that's even true. I don't think that we all. I don't even know if we all start at different places. I think we might all start at the same place. But according to this process of promotion, we end up having different grace given to us. And if Jesus had to increase in grace then we definitely need to increase in grace. That's my point. Jesus was not, had no sin in his life. He never fell from grace. But he increased in grace. So there's a mystery here. You see? There's a mystery here how Jesus had to increase in grace. I'm repeating myself because it's just too profound of a statement. I don't know how else to say it. I'm trying to find a different way to say it. <laughs> Jesus did not fall from grace, yet he increased in grace. It doesn't make sense. It's a mystery. But all I know is it's a mystery, and if it's the truth, I must figure this out. How did Jesus grow in grace? How did Jesus increase in grace? If Jesus had to increase in grace, I have to. So that means I need to figure out, how does this work? How do we get grace? And so then I started studying in the scriptures that grace can be multiplied to us. Over here, check this out. And uh, there's three ways that grace comes. We already talked about it, but now we're going to capitalize on it. Humility, knowledge, and faith. Humility, knowledge, and faith. All right. So the scriptures that we're going to look here is James chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, But he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So I truly believe that there's different, I call it the grace table, okay? If you've ever seen any of these teachings, you might have seen this teaching before. I call it the grace table. God has given us a banqueting table of grace. And it's all about what you can stomach. If Have you ever, have you ever gone through a buffet line before? Have you ever gone through a buffet line before? They're dropping stuff off. Have you ever gone through a buffet line before, and at the end of the buffet line, you find more food, and you wished you had saved room on your plate for it? Oh my gosh, if I had known bacon was the end of the line, right? <laughs> I would have saved some room. You know, you know those potluck dinners you go to, everybody brings some, and you start going through the line, you're just filling up your plate, you get to the end, you're like, oh my goodness, all the good stuff's down here, I should have left some room. Okay, so this is what I call the grace table. We only can consume what we make room for. This is humility. You can only consume on this grace table what you make room for. If your stomach, you know, some people, they get bigger stomachs because they eat more, you know. And so now they can eat three plates instead of one plate, you know. Now, this illustration this is a good thing, okay. How much are you going to get to take part in, okay. So spiritually speaking... We must have a big stomach. We must make room. We must have the plates ready to receive what we can get off this grace table. And some people just don't know about the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows down and the cinnamon on top. They just don't know it's there. So they didn't make room on their plate to get some of that good stuff down the line. You see? They didn't know about it. How can you get it if you don't know? about it. And you can't make room for it if you didn't make sense. Alright? So we discovered that there's all these things that are available to us. Healing, salvation, prosperity. Not I'm not gonna, I never get on to prosperity teaching. I don't really talk about that a whole lot because I really don't think that's the subject matter of the gospel. But I do know this. We're not destined to be poor. And God 
uh, is always going to take care of us, always pays my bills, always puts food on my table. I don't have to worry about any of that. So I live in prosperity that I don't have any money. You know what I mean? And there's also many forms of prosperity. The point is, do, where's your... Where is your faith? Do you believe God for healing? I never saw God heal anyone until I started believing for it. And I never was able to believe for it until I heard about it. And I never actually witnessed a person get healed until I humbled myself, obeyed, and prayed for them on the street. You see? Those three things. That point. Alright? Anytime we deal with promotion, this is what we're dealing with, okay? It's about being promoted in that area, too. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can be good at one thing, and not good at another thing, but if you submit yourself to learning how to learn something new, then you get promoted in that area. Okay? Um, when I was working over at CC's Pizza, some people would become dishwashers. You know what I mean? And if that's all they ever um, you know, wanted to become, they could become the best dishwasher. They'd be better than anybody. In fact, in that area, they were the best. So I want them on, the, on, that, on that position because they're going to be better than anybody else. But if anyone ever aspired to say, hey, Man, I, I want to become a good um, busser too, and I want to be able to knock both of them out. And you know, well, hey, you, this guy's gonna he's gonna go learn from the new guy. He's gonna believe, hey, I can do more than just what I was doing, and I'm gonna submit myself to it. Okay, so then the next thing you know, this guy's doing both busing and dishing. He's able to do both of them. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna give this guy a raise. Why? Because he learned, he believed, and he humbled himself. He was always teachable. But people say, you know what, I can't do anything else. This is too much for me. All I want to do is be a dishwasher. Oh, well, you're going to stay on dishwasher making $7.25 for the rest of your life, dude. But you start to learn more skills, you get more promotion, you see. You start humbling yourself, I can do more. Next thing you know, the guy's like, hey, I want to be a prepper. So he goes out there and starts prepping. And he becomes fast at that thing. I'm like, oh, man, this guy, I'm going to give him another raise. And I'm going to put him on, on more shifts. I'm going to give him more responsibility, you see. Next thing, the guy's like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and start cut stocking, too. I'm going to run the register. I'm going to cook. Man, this guy knows how to do every position. I'm going to make him the manager. You see, promotion comes through learning. Okay, so check this out. What is it? Uh, faith, uh, God gives grace to the humble, right? Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied. So this one is, I love this. More grace... Multiplied grace. More grace multiplied. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. As you begin to know Christ more and what he has given you in his sacrifice and resurrection, you will have multiplied grace in your life. Okay? In Ephesians... Chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Okay? Through faith. <clears throat> As we grow in grace, we are given gifts and more responsibility. Okay, so what is humility? Humility is casting pride aside. What is pride? Pride is deep-rooted insecurity. First of all, you think, well, this is all, this is, I'm really good at this. And so people, what do they do? They pride themselves in their accomplishments, so they don't want to venture on anything else. Well, I'm really good at this. Don't put me over there. It's really insecurity. They're not willing to humble themselves and learn something new. Make sense? Um, you cast the pride aside and your unbelief. So people will say, well, I'm really good at this. Or they'll say, hey, I'm not really good at that. You see? I can't, I can't do that, man. That's not, my, that's not how I'm made. People say that a lot. You know? Look, you can do anything you put your mind to. That's the truth. <laughs> the only reason why you can't do it is you don't believe you can do it. That's the end of the story. If you believe you can do it, you can do it. God didn't create us to just stay. I'm not saying that we don't sometimes capitalize on our strengths. Things like that. What I'm saying is too often we get held back by our lack of uh, skills or whatever, instead of learning new skills and overcoming. Okay, um, there isn't anything in my life that I haven't applied myself to 
learned about, believed I could do it, just because I believed I could do it, and then humbled myself to do it, that I wasn't able to do and do it well. Anyone can do something and do it well, if you put your mind to it. Okay? Uh, casting pride and, and unbelief aside, submitting and obeying. Um, so this is submitting and obeying. It's the first step of faith. This oftentimes looks like doing something that doesn't make sense to you. Or something that you don't want to do. True submission is doing something you don't want to do. <laughs> Make sense? True submission is doing something, I'm going to say, that you don't want to do or something uncomfortable. That's the process of growth. You'll always stay in the same position in life if you don't submit yourself to being uncomfortable. You always grow in promotion in life when you seek out places of un being, that are uncomfortable, where you can become comfortable, where you can grow. And Make sense? People get hindered so many times because they don't want to be uncomfortable. They stay in the same spot all their life and never accomplish anything. All right, <clears throat> knowledge. So this isn't, listen, this isn't just for operating in spiritual gifts. These principles apply for overcoming anything in your life. You, can, you need grace to overcome. Grace is important for you to overcome anything in your life. You want to overcome at your job? You have to apply these three principles. If you want to overcome uh, in your marriage, you have to apply these three principles. If you want to overcome as a leader, you have to apply these three principles. Anything that you're involved in, if you apply these three principles, you'll grow and increase in grace, and you'll overcome in that area. Make sense? These are key and pivotal. Knowledge. Knowledge is that if knowledge, we know or already said faith comes by hearing, right? This is an watch this, an active pursuit. An active pursuit for understanding. What you want to get better at. All right, now listen to this. <clears throat> An active pursuit for understanding what you want to get better at. In other words, you don't, when you go play, when you want to become a better musician, you don't practice the same song every time. If you want to become a better musician, you try new songs that are hard, that are difficult, that are out of your, out of your range, that are beyond your ability. But people oftentimes, they don't want to do that. They just want to be comfortable. They want to sound good. They like the sound of their own voice. So they just play the same thing they got good at, but they never increase in their skill set because they don't pursue knowledge. Does that make sense? An active pursuit for understanding what you want to get better at. The knowledge portion implies that you're going into new territory. I'm going to say that again. The knowledge portion of this, it implies new territory. Something you haven't experienced yet. Going into unknown places. Taking risks. Having failures. Because failure is life's biggest teacher. Mistakes. We learn more from our failures than anything else in life. If you're humble. First one. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll get defeated and throw it aside and say, I just can't do that. How many times have you tried to do something new, you failed at it, you got so discouraged, you just said, screw it, and then you threw it aside, you know? I know sometimes we work on this house. I've had somebody work on this house before. They get frustrated with something they've never done before. Ah, they throw something and break a hammer or throw a hammer through the wall, and they get frustrated and give up, right? Instead of humbling themselves... They, they identified themselves with their weakness and said, I just can't ever do this. No, you can do it. If you humble yourself and you seek knowledge and you believe that you can do it. <laughs> then 
you take a butt chewing. <laughs> <laughs> this is powerful, dude. Look, this is good. Okay. <laughs> All right. What is faith? Perseverance. I can wrap it up in one verb. Perseverance. It is believing something so much that you will not quit until you get it. It's resolve. It's conviction. You're going to hold on until you get it. And you're not going to let anyone get in your way. That's faith. When we bail because it gets hard, we don't have faith. When it gets impossible and we press through anyway, we have faith. It's good teaching. Sorry, I'm not tooting my own horn. It's the Holy Spirit. This is a really good teaching. This is one of the most profound revelations I've had about grace. Listen. Ah, <clears throat> oh, so good. As we grow in grace, we are given gifts and more responsibility. Promotion. Matthew 25 says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Ability. What is the ability? This is, this is your starting out grace. Your ability is the grace you start with today. Write this down. <clears throat> ability, your ability is the grace you start with today. How much pursuit of knowledge have you, have you had in this area? How much do you believe and persevere in this area? And how much are you willing to obey in this area? That's the grace those three things directly attribute to the grace that you start out with today, which translates into your ability. What you're able to accomplish, what you can get done. Your grace. Does make sense? <clears throat> ability is also the word for power. Dynamis. Is what your power is, what your ability is. Does that make sense? So he gave the talents, which are responsibilities. I'm going to give you this responsibility according to the grace that you have. You see? I'm going to give you this talent. I'm going to give you this whatever. According to the ability, according to the power, according to the grace that you start out with today. This means that they're given talents according to the ability to perform. Ability to perform. This means that they've already been trialed and tested. This means that he already knows already, right now, what they've already accomplished before. According to the grace that they have already attained. According to the humility, knowledge, and faith that they operate in. Promotion happens through, so another word to say this. Submission. Learning. And perseverance. Those are the short answers, okay? Even in the world, even in the world, this spiritual concept applies. Any boss would promote someone who was obedient, teachable, and a problem solver. That's what these translate into. Okay? I'm going to rewrite these again. We have humility, we have knowledge, we have faith. Another word, submission or obedient, okay? Learning or teachable. We have Perseverance, right? What is that? Perseverance? And I'm going to say problem solver. They don't allow excuses to hold them back. That's what faith is. 
No excuses. Just whatever it takes to get the job done. You see? This I see a need, I'm gonna get the job done. So again, anyone would any boss would promote someone who was obedient, teachable, and a problem solver. Your boss will give you more grace. What is grace? He'll give you authority. See, that's sort of authority comes from grace. Okay? Might have just given away my answer here. Obedient, teachable, and problem solver. This is so powerful. This is so, so powerful. These three principles, you apply these three principles everywhere you go, you'll always go in promotion. You'll always be promoted. If you're obedient, teachable, and a problem solver, I'm telling you. These are the keys to promotion. Ability, power comes from grace. Promotion can be wrapped up in one phrase more responsibility. So, what is promotion? More responsibility. <laughs> right? Well, I want to get become the boss, so somebody else can tell me what to do. No, don't do that. You're going to be driven like crazy because you have more responsibility. You're going to be the boss, you have more things to take care of, you have more work. Everybody thinks, oh, well, the boss never shows up on the job. He has more work to do. And if you don't show up, you've got to do your job, too. <laughs> you see? Promotion can be wrapped up in that one phrase, more responsibility. Luke chapter 9, verse 40 through 43, it says, And I begged your, beg your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. So take note from this passage. Jesus' response was faithless and twisted. We may be wrapping up here pretty shortly. Um, because... This may actually be part of the next teaching, so I'll try to wrap it up here. His response was, faithless and twisted generation. <clears throat> they were not operating in grace, right? Check it out. Why were they not operating in, in grace? Faithless and twisted. Faithless, twisted. Faith, twisted. What is twisted? It has to do with your understanding. Your understanding is off. That's a twisted. Your thought processes are wrong. Faithless and twisted. So they can't operate in grace to cast out that demon and the boy because they're not operating in faith or knowledge. They don't understand that something about their thinking is twisted, corrupted, you see? They maybe don't understand the authority they have, you see? Check this out. They were not operating in grace because they were missing some key components. Twist, I already said this. Twisted means they had improper understanding and faithless means they were full of doubt. Notice they did not mention prideful. However, in Matthew 17, when he diagnoses the remedy, he directly prescribes an antidote to satisfy pride. He says, your twistedness and your faithlessness, how do we fix these two things? Fix this. Fast and pray. Mm -hmm. Watch this. The Bible says, humble yourself and pray. When it says that, he's talking about fasting. When you fast... You humble yourself. So how do we gain knowledge and faith? First of all, you have to be humble. You won't be able to receive any knowledge if you don't submit yourself. You won't be able to persevere if you don't submit yourself to a cause and be obedient. You see? So he only talked about faithless and twisted. Faithless and twisted. This time only comes out by prayer and fasting. <laughs> it's crazy. It's good stuff. Prayer and fasting. You empty yourself in fasting, and then prayer, you fill yourself back up. Fasting and praying. Prayer and fasting. Good stuff. All right. So that's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that wrap that up. I think that's going to be a good spot to close. Um, the process of promotion. Anyone, even a worldly boss, will give you more responsibility, will give you more. That's what the Bible says. Be faithful with the little. If you're faithful with little, you'll be given more. Much. To him who's been given little, or much, or whatever it is, much will be expected, right? God expects us to do something with what we have. Which is why it's so important to operate in humility and being obedient and submissive. And he does never, listen, God 
never wants us to be in one place. He never wants us to stay at one level. This is why when the guy who had one talent said, look, I was afraid. Because I knew you hard to be a hard man. You reap where you do not sow. So I buried my talent. In other words, he didn't pursue growing in grace. I buried my talent. I stayed right where I was. I didn't ever stretch myself. I never took any risk. I didn't go out and try something new. I didn't pursue any knowledge for anything else. I didn't, wasn't a problem solver. I was too afraid of failure. All I could see was my excuses. I wasn't really humble and submissive, even though I thought I was humble and submissive because I thought that I, you know, I didn't want to mess up things, so I'm humbly, you see, it's fake humility. Powerful stuff. We can't please God if we aren't growing, if we aren't expanding, if we aren't going into new territory. How do I know this? Because only by faith can you please God. The scripture says that. By faith you please God. But if I do anything out of unbelief, it's not faith. And that's a sin. It's impossible to please God without faith. And it's impossible to have faith without impossibility. You've got to be going into new realms. You have to be going into new places that are impossible for you. Constantly stretching your faith. If you're not, you won't be pleasing to God. It's powerful stuff. Hey, thank you for watching and listening to this message. Be sure to hit the like button, share it to your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more content every single week. And if you haven't yet, be sure to visit our website at bombzs.com. We have a lot of content there and a lot of things that are absolutely free. So be sure to utilize us as much as possible. We hope that you were blessed by this message. Till next time, have a blessed day.